Alright, here we are, finally. Uh, this is Didactic Mind, episode 55. Ye reap what ye sow. Very warm welcome, as always, to all of my long-time readers, all of my uh, subscribers. Well, now that I'm on Podbean, I probably don't have any subscribers anymore. Um, but if you are new to the podcast, uh, which you probably are, understand that uh, SoundCloud is no longer going to be my venue of choice. Um, it is not my venue of choice anymore. Uh, my SoundCloud subscription came up for renewal on November 11th, uh, which surprised me somewhat because they charged me $144 uh, a year ago, and I thought it was a two-year subscription at the time. It turned out to be a one-year subscription. Um, SoundCloud, as it happens, is a corporate sponsor of the Black Looming Menace movement. Excuse me. They contributed uh, funding and gave support to the Black Lives Matter movement, and they also uh, were heavily involved in the whole uh, get out the vote campaign. And of course, they only want to get out the vote for one political party, not both. Um, they are converged. SoundCloud is unquestionably a converged big tech organization. Uh, so, I, uh, when I saw that they had contributed to BLM back during the summer, I flatly refused to have anything to do with them in future. And I made my intentions clear. I said so in a podcast back in the summer, and as uh, my good friend Adam Piggott uh, said as well, uh, we will, you know, he made it clear he would not support uh, SoundCloud, he would not re up his subscription. Um, and neither would I. I agreed entirely with his motives, um, and I am fed up and sick and tired of supporting organizations that think it's okay just to screw with us, that it's okay just to, you know, um, do whatever they want and think that they will be free of consequences. And, um, as a result, I moved over to Podbean. I did a little bit of investigation into various uh, hosting services, and uh, Podbean just is by far um, the best for podcasting. SoundCloud is actually not that good a podcasting platform, as it happens. It's much more geared towards um, musicians and, uh, and, uh, and artists, not so much podcasters. Um, Podbean, on the other hand, is cheaper, has much better tools, a much better interface for uploading things, in my opinion, and uh, is much more simple. It's easier to use, it's more intuitive, and has much more features for distributing your tracks, you know, beyond um, just the native application, just the native interface. So I'll be using Podbean from now on. Uh, I started up my Podbean subscription, like, to a day, in fact, pretty much the same day, I think, um, as I got rid of SoundCloud. And uh, we shall carry on uh, regardless, really. Now, that is not to say that Podbean is an ideal solution. I am well aware that, uh, as uh, one of my readers, uh, Magister Ludi, uh, who is also from uh, Vox's, uh, from Vox's uh, blog and from his dark streams, uh, he is a, an avid follower of our beloved and dreaded Supreme Dark Lord, peace be unto him, Vox Day, and he 
uh, alert, he reminded me actually of the fact that uh, Owen Benjamin, the big bear, was kicked off of Podbean for inflammatory content, racist remarks, whatever. It's, I mean, it's Owen being Owen. I don't know Owen personally, but I do know that he has a tendency to chase rabbits down holes um, in places that perhaps don't really deserve them. Um, that is not to say that Podbean was justified in doing what it did. It wasn't. Owen is a seeker of truth, and sometimes that tends to lead people down into some very strange-seeming places. But for the record, and I am stating this very plainly for the record, what Owen Benjamin says about um, specifically the Jewish Talmud is absolutely true. What he said about um, the Talmudic texts is true. This is not surprising. This is not new. There is much more to the Talmud than just what Owen Benjamin found. But these things that he mentioned about the Talmud have been known since the time of Martin Luther and even before that. So what he found and what he brought up to his audience and said, um, which may or may not have contributed to him getting kicked off the platform, are true. It's right there in black and white in the text. What else he said, I don't know. And honestly, I don't care. It's Owen's platform. It's, uh, it's, um, it's his content. Let him say what he wants to say. I'll say what I want to say. Um, that being said, with respect to Podbean, I mean, it's just less converged than SoundCloud is. Uh, you can't really expect any tech company these days to be a seeker of truth. Um, they are all converged in one form or another. They are all policing people. They are all unwilling to, to let the truth be heard. Whether it is a company like Parler, which is supposed to be an alternative to Twitter, but is in fact fully capable of policing people uh, as and when it chooses, or Gab, which is an, you know, just a complete open-ended sewer. Um, it's, a, it's a free-for-all, and it's a, it's, a, it's a loony bin, because there is no moderation whatsoever. I mean, you've got the, these two extremes, basically, of Twitter on the one hand, which is very heavy-handed in terms of one-way censorship, Completely blatantly uh, favorite, um, complete blatant favoritism on the one hand, and on the other hand, complete open ended, uh, almost anarchic expression on the other. You need some kind of medium, and uh, that medium is probably going to be something like Social Galactic, uh, which, again, our beloved and dreaded Supreme Dark Lord, peace be unto him, uh, is spearheading. But Social Galactic is invitation only, and it is a paid service. Um, if you want a true free speech platform, the truth is you're not going to get one. It doesn't exist, because free speech itself is a misnomer. There's no such thing. There is speech, and then there is blasphemy. Uh, when speech crosses the line into blasphemy, anti-Christian blasphemy, that's when the law kicks in. Everything else, though, you know, it's just you're responsible for uh, the content of or the the uh, the words of your mouth, as in all honesty you should be. Um, it would be nice, of course, if the standards were equally applied, but they are not, and they have not been for quite some time. Um, 
But with respect to Podbean, uh, I am going to start introducing this podcast onto Apple iTunes and Google Podcasts. I just need to actually kick my butt and uh, get it on those, um, into those uh, queues and get them approved, which I think they hope they will be. And I need to spruce up the uh, the landing page a bit, and uh, I need to do a couple of other things. You know, do, add in some integrations. Um, but basically, the Podbean setup is working exactly as I wanted, and it's looking pretty good, and I'm quite happy with it. Um, but this issue of motivation is something I wanted to address tonight, and it's, it really jives with the the, the theme of what I uh, what I. Well, the theme of the title of this podcast, which is, as I said, you reap what you will sow. And that is a direct um, tribute or direct derivation from um, the book of Hosea in the Bible. Uh, Israel has sown the whirlwind, therefore, uh, has sown the wind and therefore shall reap the whirlwind, more or less, is, is uh, a particular passage in the book of Hosea. And the reason I wanted to bring this up is because of everything that's been going on for the last couple of weeks. We are now about 11, uh, 12 days removed from unquestionably the most corrupt, the most vindictive, the most astonishingly uh, outrageous theft in American electoral history. And that's an, I don't say that lightly. I don't say that in ignorance of history. I am aware of uh, the Kennedy-Nixon race, in which uh, Richard Nixon lost an incredibly closely contested race to John F. Kennedy, and allegations of fraud flew around for quite some time. It was a very, very divisive election. And it looked for some time as though... Um, there was something very untoward happening. Uh, Kennedy lost actually more uh, seats for his party, the Democrats, in the House than Joe Biden lost for in this election. Uh, the Republicans have picked up, I think, as of this moment, something like 10 seats, maybe more, uh, once all the votes finally get counted. But uh, Kennedy, I think, lost uh, quite a bit more than that. And... Nixon eventually came back and won the White House, obviously. Um, he defeated, uh, well, he didn't defeat, he, he, he didn't defeat an incumbent. He, uh, he ran uh, against a, a fresh contender, um, Herbert Humphreys, I think. Uh, and in this case, the fraud is unbelievable. I mean, it's, it's actually astonishing that people thought they could get away with it. Now, Let's draw a distinction between proof of fraud and evidence of fraud. There are There is now an enormous mountain of evidence pointing to fraud. The mainstream media wants you to believe that there is no fraud. There is no proof of fraud whatsoever. They will keep hammering this narrative in that there is no proof that any fraud existed. Well, uh, a number of media outlets started on the, the theme that there is no fraud. It's all debunked. All of the claims of the Trump campaign about fraud have been debunked. Now, if, you, if, you, if you've been paying attention, the media has changed this narrative very, very, in a very subtle way. 
very slightly, but it's very important. They're now saying there is the the claims of fraud have been largely debunked, not completely debunked, largely debunked. Okay, that's interesting. So they're now sort of tacitly admitting that there has been some evidence of fraud. Evidence is not proof. We know this. But the reason I bring this up is because of an article sent to me by our friend the Male Brain from uh, down in Israel. And he, it was an article uh, in which Tucker Carlson um, is one of, basically now one of only three reasons to watch Fox News. And the other two reasons are Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram. And in all honesty, I can't stand, I mean, I, it's not like I can't stand it. I don't like Sean Hannity's presentation. I think he's just, uh, you know, complete, almost GOP talking head. Uh, Laura Ingram, I like her. I, I think she's she's got an interesting point of view from time to time. But really, the only reason I have any interest in Fox News is Tucker Carlson. He's the only reason to watch that channel anymore. And um, Tucker went on air, and as a man should, he admitted that he and his team got something wrong. He admitted that in one particular case, they hadn't fully done their homework and their research. It turns out that uh, somebody who had died... Uh, there was basically a case in which uh, somebody died, Mr. Frank something or the other had died, and a ballot showed up with Mrs. Frank something or the other um, on it, and they assumed that it was a case of fraud. It wasn't. What actually happened was the dead man's widow voted. That was her, and she called into the show and said, uh, excuse me, no, this wasn't fraud, that was me. And Tucker Carlson went on air live and said, yeah, you know what? We made a mistake. I'm sorry. It was us. My responsibility. He took it like a man, as a man should. He admitted his mistakes on air in front of his audience. That's great. But that doesn't mean the rest of the cases are all fraud. Uh, of that doesn't mean that the rest of the cases are all nonsense. The statistical evidence pointing to epic fraud is so massive right now. I mean, it's all circumstantial, yes, I admit, but it's so massive. There's so much of it. There's like, how can you not see that there's something wrong here? Whether you look at the huge disparity between people who only voted for Joe Biden and people who only voted for Donald Trump, um, you know, there's the disparities in the tens of thousands. Or you look at all of the ballots that have magically just appeared and they're all pointing towards Biden. They're all Biden ballots. Or if you look at uh, instances in which uh, voter turnout in specific counties, very specific counties, turn out to be like 100% or 200% higher than the number of eligible voters in that county, there is simply no escaping the reality that fraud happened in this election. Fraud took place and fraud stole a number of votes and a number of counties from the Republican Party, from the God Emperor, from Donald Trump, his most illustrious, noble, august, benevolent, and legendary celestial majesty, the God Emperor of Mankind, Donaldus Triumphus Augustus Magnus, or actually Magnus Astra, I should say, the first of his name, the Lion of Midnight, the Chaddest of Chads, may the Lord bless him and preserve him. You know, it's a hell of a mouthful if you try to say it all in one breath, you can't. Um, but worse than that, much worse, is the disinformation campaign that is being waged on every front against all of us. And I have to admit, 
it is affecting us. It's affecting all of us. It's affecting me, certainly, um, both on a personal level and a wider macro level. The last few days have been very, very difficult. It's nearly impossible to find motivation to do anything. The drive to get things done isn't there. The feeling of hopelessness and helplessness is very, very powerful right now. And it's affecting more than just me. I can bet that a number of people listening to this podcast right now, when you hear it anyway, will feel the exact same way. You'll all be feeling this heaviness, this dead weight upon your soul that's dragging you down, making it difficult to concentrate, making it difficult to think, leaving you with an emptiness inside. You don't want to do anything. You don't want to get anything done. It is very hard to resist this. And the reality is the enemy's disinformation campaign is, I am sorry to say, succeeding. To understand what's going on, you cannot look at things through a secular perspective anymore. It's not possible. If you just look at things through a secular perspective, you just consume whatever the lying prostitutes and hornalists of the news media tell you, you will be blinded by fear. You will be terrified into submission. You look around the world. The whole world is shutting back down again. Most of Europe is clamping back down on um, internal uh, mobility and freedom of movement um, and freedom of worship, freedom of uh, employment or work. Uh, you, you know, much of Asia is doing the same thing. Much of Asia is the same way. Everybody is giving into fear and paranoia. Everybody's terrified. Everybody's. Uh, is worried. The, the, the atmosphere of, of terror is, is palpable. Uh, where I am right now, people are running around in masks. If In, in the, the housing complex that I'm staying in right now, the security guards will not let people in if they're not wearing masks, or they're not supposed to anyway. Anybody working within the complex court without a mask on at all times is suspended. If th that person is spotted again without a mask on, he's like kicked out, he's not allowed back in. Outside, in the streets, people are walking around with masks on constantly. In the shopping malls, in the schools, in, well, if schools aren't even open, um, everybody is walking around with a mask. I have had people come up to me and, and berate me for not wearing a mask. Uh, I had um, a woman uh, uh, wish death upon me because I wasn't wearing a mask and lift. I'm serious. I mean, this actually happened to me. And I was just, it's shocking to me because I, you know, I'm not saying I'm, uh, I, I am a paragon of, or I'm, I'm not saying that I am a, a devil, uh, that I have a devil may care attitude towards rules because I don't. Um, I do believe in following specific, you know, very particular rules. I do believe in you know, law and order. Um, I am of the right. That's the kind of people that we are. We respect authority. We respect conservatism and we respect, we have a conservative mindset towards society. I am not a conservative myself, but that is our mindset. So we believe in following the rules. 
We believe in being respectful to authority in general. But this is just way over the top. It's, it's madness. It's nonsense. And for what? I mean, why are we insisting on following these rules? You cannot speak out against wearing masks. Why? Nobody can tell you why. Masks are our saviors. Masks will protect us. Well, no, they won't. Masks themselves are not particularly effective. And if you don't believe me, I'm happy to point you to a number of uh, studies which have been done on the subject. Nobody's really done any randomized controlled trials, RCTs, the gold standard of medical research. Nobody has done RCTs or double-blind RCTs to figure out whether masks are really effective. But the studies that have been done show that they have a mild to moderate effect on reducing uh, the spread of the disease. But it's not a guaranteed thing. That is like most of these trials cannot take into account other factors, and there are many other factors. The few studies that have done any research into this uh, in France, in Sweden, and a few other places indicate that people who say, I wear a mask all the time, catch, catch COVID-19, catch the Kung flu, the Chinese mumps, General Tso's chicken pox, at about the same rate as people who don't wear masks, maybe slightly less. The correlation on a regression analysis between uh, the prevalence of mask wearing and the, um, the rate of transmission of, of the disease itself is a minus 0.02 correlation, 2%. That's an R squared of 2%, um, minus 2%. That is, that, I mean, there's statistically insignificant, then there's statistically useless, and then there's why the hell did you even bother in statistics? This is the third category. It's like, why did we even bother having this trial? It's basically indistinguishable from zero. Um, there, now, the interesting thing is, we've been seeing news, at least if you've been paying attention, again, if you ignore the prostitutes, of a, a I think, a Danish study uh, involving an actual RCT, which has been rejected by at least three medical journals. Why are they rejecting it? Why are they refusing to publish an article about mask wearing and whether or not it's effective? If you are of a secular mindset, you will say, oh, it's because the, the, the study wasn't high quality enough. Well, oh, really? Well, why didn't they just say that? Why didn't they just say that we don't accept the conclusions because the data are bad? No, they just rejected it without any reason. Now, remember, these are the same medical journals that published papers from the CDC way back in, you know, uh, early March, thereabouts, with massive, I mean gigantic, mathematical errors involved. The CDC published a paper in The Lancet, uh, and I talked about this, I discussed this with my friend Kyle Trouble in our Troublesome Truths podcast in a few episodes back, and I, I saw this article on RT.com, which revealed the, the, the problem. The CDC published this paper in which they confused two numbers and got they, they got their maths wrong by a factor of a hundred. I'm not making that up. They started with the uh, the number of deaths, total number of deaths from influenza, 
and they concluded that the infection fatality rate, meaning total number of deaths of influenza, is 0.01%, which is true. And the case fatality rate, meaning the people who are actually hospitalized with influenza, is about 10 times that, 0.1%. Okay, fine. Then they concluded that the uh, infection fatality rate, so the, the total number of people killed by uh, COVID-19 worldwide, would be 10 times the infection fatality rate of influenza. Okay, that's fine. So far, I mean, you know, this is back in like March. This is back before we understood anything about this disease to any great degree. That, that seemed reasonable. Just one problem. The CDC messed up really badly in their, in which numbers they were multiplying. They took the CFR for influenza and multiplied it by 10. They took the CFR and they said that's the IFR. So they said the total number of, they confused the total, num the total number of people killed overall with the total number of people who are hospitalized and killed. They mixed up the two numbers and then they concluded that COVID-19 has a global 1% mortality rate. 1% doesn't sound like a lot, but in a global population of 7.7 .7 billion, it's a big number. I mean, we're talking uh, 77 million dead worldwide. That's an astonishing and very scary statistic. 77 million people dead worldwide is terrifying. But it's due to bad maths. It's due to people with doctorates, people with medical degrees, messing up a simple multiplication. That's what we're panicking about. That's why we're freaking out, is because some knuckleheads from supposedly prestigious medical schools couldn't figure out the difference between 0.1% and 0.01%. That's the these are the people we're trusting. These are the people of the like Dr. Fauci level uh, and the NIH level in the UK and the CDC level and the WHO level globally that we're trusting to run our lives. And you're telling me that I'm supposed to trust these idiots? You're telling me that I'm supposed to take their word for granted? It's enough to make one's blood boil. And it should. It should make you angry. But they don't let you know this. You have to go find out for yourself. If you're paying attention to the Bolshevik Broadcasting Corporation, like my parents do, or you're paying attention to freaking the Clown News Network, or increasingly now Fox, uh, Faux News, Fox News, um, doesn't work very well in the spoken word, does it? Um, it's, it's much funnier in, in writing. Um, but Fox News, if you will, fake news. Um, yeah, fake news, I think, sticks better. Uh, fake news, yeah. If, if you, if you're paying attention to fake news or clown news network or MSHIV or, uh, always broadcasting commies or nonstop broadcasting commies or, uh, 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 I don't know, commies broadcasting spin, you know, all, all these idiots who presume to lecture us, the New York effing slimes, the Washington compost, all of these people who Honestly, I mean, they deserve to be tried for treason at this point. If you're paying attention to them, you'll never learn any of this stuff. You have to go out and find out for yourself. But meanwhile, you just get so much negativity, so much scare tactics coming at you, and it can't help but discourage you. The thing to understand is we're living in a world of carefully constructed lies. And... Really, we are to blame for that ourselves. We have constructed for ourselves 
a fake reality in which a disease that is that has a 99.8% survival rate overall and a actually a much higher survival rate than that in most cases um is suddenly you know the, the the terror of the modern world we 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 have forced ourselves to think that um uh covid testing is infallible it's not elon musk <clears throat> said that he had four tests done in one day, two came back positive, two came back negative. You know how the RT-PCR test works? It basically uh, tries to uh, magnify you know, the, 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 the total number of uh, virus cells in your body. It looks for, you know, it's, it's incredibly sensitive. It looks for the slightest taste, uh, t- uh, the slightest trace of viral RNA in your body of any trace of uh, you know of um, of these antibodies of any kind in your body for that particular disease it will find them but it won't tell you whether or not you have a serious case it won't tell you whether you are infectious it won't tell you whether you have mild symptoms so you could be perfectly healthy and you could have antibodies against covid-19 you could show no symptoms whatsoever. You could be completely uninfectious. But just because you have these symptoms, you're testing, you show up as positive. You have the dreaded Kung flu. You must be sequestered. You must go into isolation. You must self-isolate. No one can touch you. You're a leper. Eh? I mean, come on. Now, this is stupid. This is ridiculous. We're dealing with something that is basically normal lethal than a very bad influenza at this point. That's the truth. That's the actual truth. That, that's what the mortality statistics tell us. No matter how many infections you get, the total number of true infections is anywhere between 5 and 20 times that in any given population. So the total number of deaths is one-fifth to one-twentieth what we're actually seeing. You know, if you, um, if you divide the total number of deaths by the total number of infections, the actual mortality rate is anywhere between 5 and 20 times lower than what we're being told it is. Everything you're being told is a lie. Everything you're being forced to believe is a lie. Now, does that mean that the stories of people dying aren't true? Of course not. I didn't say that. Does that mean that people aren't actually dying of this disease? I didn't say that. What I said was, you are being lied to about how dangerous the disease is. That's the truth. Most of the people who catch this disease are going to be okay. Some of them are going to get badly affected. I mean, if you look at um, Khabib uh, Nurmagomedov's dad, uh, Abdul Manap, it's a very sad story. I mean, he died when he was, what, 55, 56 years old, something like that. Um, not old. Uh, he was obviously a fat guy. He had, he had excess weight. Um, being a Dagestani, I mean, maybe he smoked. He definitely didn't drink, obviously, because he's a Muslim. But uh, who knows? I mean, it's a, it, it's a, it's a, it's an awful story because look at what it did to Khabib himself. Um, he was really struggling with tremendous emotional burdens before his championship fight with uh, Justin Gaethje. And I'm really glad that he won. I'm not glad about the way Khabib conducted himself subsequently with respect to the whole Charlie Hebdo uh, cartoon controversy. Um, but I'm glad that he won because I respect him as a champion. I think he's a, a legendary champion. And I'm glad that he won that fight. But... You know, you can't help but feel 
really, really demoralized uh, in a lot of ways. And it's hard to stay positive. Uh, and the reason it's hard to stay positive is because we have kind of allowed ourselves to get sucked into this alternate fantasy world where governments know what they're doing. Uh, you can print money forever and it never, the party never stops. Um, globalism makes sense as an ideology. Uh, borders don't matter. Um, disease and uh, death can be postponed indefinitely. The lives of the old, to put it very bluntly, matter more than the young. We're living in clown world. We're living in inverted upside-down world where the basic truths of real life don't make sense anymore. And we're allowing ourselves to be overwhelmed by fear. We created this mess for ourselves because we, for too long, too many of us, myself included, many of you included, all of you included in all honesty, let yourselves be blinded by lies. You were more comfortable living with the lies than you were in facing up to the truths. Let me tell you from personal experience, from very bitter, painful, miserable, horrible personal experience, and I, I won't even go into how bad some of those experiences were over the last two years. Learning the truth about yourself is horrible. It's just, it's awful. Especially if you've built up a comforting self-image and that is just ripped away from you and you're forced to confront the broken, twisted, ruined, you know, flawed and fallen character that you actually are. And you have to see that through somebody else's eyes and it's a very unedifying experience. Uh, and if you have to be reminded of just how much of a problem you are over and over and over again, you know, you you really just, you want the pain to stop at some point. And you just, you say to yourself, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I want to run away to my comforting illusions. And all of us are guilty of doing that. All of us are guilty of saying, you know, I don't want to deal with the truth. I, I just want my comforting lies. I want to run away. I want to escape into the, the matrix, if you will. We are living in the matrix. Um, the reality is you can't live in the matrix forever. Uh, sooner or later you have to confront these lies and eventually you're going to have to deal with those lies head-on you're gonna have to choose you're gonna have to make a choice too many of us have chosen to live with them with the lies too many too many of us have chosen to be scared and afraid um, I try to be as defiant as I can of the stupidity that I see around me wherever possible it's not easy, but I try to do it um, simply because you need to keep your morale up. You, you know, with respect to the, the presidential election in the U.S., look, you and I both know Donald Trump won that election. If you count the legitimate ballots, if you get rid of all the mail-in ballots and all the fraud, all the nonsense, we know that Trump won. Uh, he was up massively in Pennsylvania. And then all of a sudden they stopped counting the ballots. Like, what? Uh, at very early in, uh, on 
Wednesday morning, they stopped counting the ballots because oh, everybody needs a break, everybody's tired. Then magically at 4 a.m., just a few hours later, trucks start arriving with massive numbers of mail-in ballots and everybody's suddenly bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and can start counting ballots again. And guess what? They all go for Biden. Almost all of them go for Biden. How does that work? Uh, does nobody see a problem with that? Fortunately, Justice Alito on the Supreme Court has seen a problem with it. He's basically said you, he's issued an order to Pennsylvania saying you will keep these mail-in ballots delivered after 8 p.m. on election night in direct contravention of Pennsylvania's own electoral law, by the way. In a sequestered place, you're going to keep them secure. You're going to keep them under lock and key. Now, you have to understand something. We're not dealing with lawful, law-abiding people. We're dealing with Democrats. We're not just we're not just regular Democrats either. I mean, a lot of Democrats, ordinary Democrats, just registered voters who are Democrats are basically decent people. They they aren't capable of seeing through the lies and the spin. But they have reasons to vote Democrat because, you know, their families have always voted Democrat. They've always believed in the Democrat platform of standing for the little guy. That's not the Democrat Party today. We're dealing with Democrats who are genuinely evil and deceitful. We're dealing with people who will stop at nothing to achieve power, who will lie through their teeth and who will gladly steal a presidential election just to spit in the faces of all the people who spat in theirs four years ago. The left has never gotten over the fact that Donald Trump wasn't supposed to win in 2016, and he did. And they've never gotten over the fact that millions upon millions of Americans rejected their vision of the future. Um, that is why people are people in the Democratic Party, you know, AOC, um, the, 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 the crazy chick with the big tits and the... And the and the buck teeth from New York, and the baby voice, my lord, she's got a whiny voice. These are the people who are saying, um, start compiling lists, start compiling blacklists of people in the Trump administration so they never get another job again. Uh, start compiling lists of people who voted for Trump so they never feel safe again. We're talking about 70 million people in the U.S. who voted for Trump. You're basically saying 70 million people out of a country of 330 million, so half the electorate, more or less, should be considered unemployable, evil, irredeemable fascists. Seriously? That's how wars start. But that's what these people want. They want you demoralized. They want you broken. They want you helpless. They want you powerless. And again... We caused this. We are the ones responsible for putting these people in power. We are the ones responsible for creating the conditions that put these people in power. So how do we stop this? Um, just today, I was having a chat with uh, some folks about um, what the world has become and how uh, how fragile today's youth are. They've never faced adversity of the kind that we're facing now, and they don't know how to deal with it. Um, they only know how to complain about it. They, they don't know how to deal with the lack of dopamine rushes that come from, you know, 
social media likes and, uh, and instant gratification. They don't know how to confront hardship. Well, I was reminded instantly of that um, famous meme among us. You know, you know the one. Um, hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. Weak men create hard times. Perfectly encapsulates uh, what we're going through right now. That is basically the thesis of a book called The Fourth Turning, um, which I've referenced before, and uh, I haven't read it yet. It's on my list. Uh, I've got a whole bunch of other stuff I want to read before that, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's an interesting thesis, and it's absolutely true. Um, we are dealing with this bottoming out, this, this careening down the slope towards collapse, and this bottoming out. Um, how do we deal with it? Well, we've got, to start, we've got to stop complaining, we've got to stop bitching and moaning about it, and start doing things. Problem is, how do you do something when everything around you is pressuring you to submit, to give in, to accept the lies, to go back to being sleepwalking zombies, that just look at, you know, you, you literally zombified people staring at their phones all day, you know, just getting constant dopamine hits from social media apps and looking at echo chambers um, of just meaningless pablum. Uh, how do we get away from that? Okay. The first and most important thing you need to do is disconnect from this world. Make no mistake, what happened on November 3rd was a disaster. There's no getting away from that. You have to accept this. If you're on the right, you must accept that even if Donald Trump won, which I believe he did, and even if the numbers eventually show that he won, in court, through the process, who knows? I mean, you know, in all honesty, Trump is his own worst enemy right now because he's tweeting, his, his tweet storms are chaotic. I, I get emails from the Trump campaign a lot for various reasons, and uh, they, they're so up and down. They're like, we're... We're going to make every vote count. We're, we're going to get this done. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And then Trump is saying, on the one hand, he's saying to Geraldo Rivera that, uh, you know, if the courts say that I've lost, I'm going to step down. I'll accept that I'm a one-term president. Uh, but I want the courts to decide. On the other hand, he's saying, stop the vote count in Georgia because it's ridiculous if you're not doing a handwriting match with the signatures and the ballots, um, then it's not legitimate recount. And it's like, dude, make up your mind. I mean, on the one hand, you're saying you want to recount. On the other hand, you're saying you don't want to recount. What? Which one is it? It's so frustrating sometimes dealing with the president. I mean, I'm a huge fan of his, obviously. I come up with this ridiculously long-winded, blown-up nickname for him. Uh, not just the God Emperor, but the, the whole spiel, right? So I'm obviously a huge fan of his, but he's making it very difficult to like some of the things that he's doing. Uh, but he really, he really needs to stop messing around like that and just focus on exposing the fraud to the people. He really needs to hammer the Democrats for what they've done. He really needs to um, make a decision, in all honesty. I mean, it's at the point now where he has to decide whether or not to go full Julius Caesar, march, the, basically cross the Rubicon, or in his case, cross the Potomac, I don't know, and possibly mount an armed 
military insurrection against his own government. Uh, and I never thought I'd, I'd call for that. I mean, I am a hardcore constitutionalist. I believe the Constitution of the United States of America is sacred writ right below the Bible. Okay, That's the level of my respect and reverence for the Constitution. As far as I'm concerned, it means what it says on the paper. I don't care what you think of it. That's what it says. If you want to change it, go through the process. Um, that's why I have no respect whatsoever for Democrats. Um, I have members of my own family who are Democrats. I'm like, you guys have no clue what your, the Constitution actually says, so I don't pay attention to what they believe. Um, but it, it's getting to the point where we're going to have to make some harsh decisions. So we have to be ready for that. And the first step to preparing for that is to step away, actually. Get away from it. Turn off your phone. Turn off your laptop. Go outside. Go for a walk. Enjoy some nature. Get back to what matters. There's a passage in Romans, uh, Romans chapter 1, which has to do with um, basically how uh, pagans achieve salvation before the coming of Jesus Christ. And that passage in Romans is, you know what, let me go look it up. I'm not going to mangle the scriptures here. Uh, oh, by the way, the, the chapter in Hosea, it's uh, Hosea chapter 8, uh, verse 7. For they sow the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. Right? Um, just in case you're wondering. But uh, Romans chapter Romans chapter 1. Right? In Romans chapter 1, uh, God's wrath on unrighteousness. This is Romans 1, uh, verse 19. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Okay. Romans chapter 1, verses 19 to 20. What does that mean? Well, among other things, it means that if you live as a virtuous, noble pagan, and you live a virtuous life in accordance with the laws of Jesus Christ that he put forth, our Lord and King, then simply by acknowledging the natural state of the world as God intended, you have achieved salvation without knowing Christ. And that's the workaround that we have for all the souls who came before us who did not know Christ, all the Gentiles who came before us who did not know Christ. Okay, good. But it also means that there's a natural order out there in the world that reveals God's law and God's plan. So get out there and experience it. Go out there. Go out for a walk. Go out for a hike. Take a holiday. Get some rest. Go fishing. Go hunting. Spend some time in nature and understand God's purpose for that nature. Because you are part of it. The lies that they tell you on the television and the lies that they try to force upon you about COVID and the lies that they try to tell you about how we cannot treat COVID, they are lies. They can twist their words and they can make you believe whatever they want through the matrix, however they want to make you believe it. They can bend you and break you by threatening your job, threatening your family, threatening your lifestyle. Trust me when I tell you that you can lose a hell of a lot more than you think you can. When you've lost the kinds of things that I've lost, 
when you've lost to the degree that I've lost, when you spent two and a half years away from your own possessions with no real sense of stability, no you know place to call your own, no no uh, no schedule necessarily that is your own, when you are utterly dependent upon other people for long periods of time, then you'll know what you can lose. And it's a lot more than you think. Trust me on that. So don't spend too much time worrying about all these lies. Don't worry about people saying, we don't, you know, the vaccine will cure us all. No, it won't. That's bullshit, okay? Uh, When uh, Pfizer claims a 90% plus efficacy rate on their vaccine, and the Russians with their Sputnik, uh, uh, Sputnik Piat, uh, Sp- uh, Sputnik Five vaccine claim the same thing. Why is it that Pfizer gets huge amounts of media attention and is lauded and you know, they, they make billions of dollars on pre-orders? Um, and then when the Russians made the same announcement like three months earlier, everybody was like, Are you serious? Like Russia? Like really? That's, we don't believe that crap. But nobody questions what Pfizer is saying and everybody questions what Russia is saying. And meanwhile, I've personally seen for myself the Russians are much more trustworthy than anything coming out of the American government's mouth. So you have to understand, you have to discern for yourself what is a lie and what is true. When the entirety of the mainstream media says hydroxychloroquine sulfate is ineffective, and yet the research back in 2005 was saying HCQ is effective at stopping the propagation of the SARS virus, which is related to COVID-19, who are you going to believe? The media that does not know what it's talking about and is basically just a giant propaganda machine? Or the actual research? Who are you going to believe? The doctors who say that we have seen patients recovering and we have been able to use a combination of HCQ, azithromycin, uh, zinc, vitamin C, and vitamin D together uh, to cure patients completely of this virus, or the CDC and the and the WHO, who have routinely, repeatedly gotten things wrong, lied to people, and seen people actually contributed enormously to tremendous suffering and death around the world because of their mistaken guidance. Who are you going to believe? You got to pick who you're going to believe. And when you make that choice, you have made a very important choice. You have chosen which side of this war you are on. If you choose to believe the lies, they own you. Instantly, they own you. If you choose to look for yourself and investigate the truth, then things will get very difficult for you. And I'm telling you this because I myself have experienced it, I've seen it. You will alienate a lot of people. You will alienate a lot of friends so-called friends. You will alienate your own family members. But you have to stand for what is true. You're going to need to make a choice. So that's how you fight against this oppression. You need to get out there into the world and see it for what it is. And that means getting away from the cities. It means getting away from uh, the media. It means getting away from politics. It means just decompressing for a while. And then you need to choose where you're going to stand. With the truth or against it. It's that simple. It's, it's a very, very simple choice.
but it's going to be a very costly one. I, I assure you it will be very costly if you choose to stand with the truth. But you need to, if, if that's what you want, you, you need to be willing to pay that price because the rewards that come from standing with the truth are tremendous. I have had more personal satisfaction in the last four weeks or so from readers coming to me and telling me how I inspired them and how I helped them than I ever did from 10 years in the banking industry. I got a promotion that was three years overdue and I thought that was a proud moment for me. I, that's, that's nothing. You know, compared to one of my readers um, coming to me in a comment on my blog, he said, uh, I have battled the end of a 22-year marriage, homelessness, joblessness, poverty, uh, all within this year and, and uh, you know, close family members being very, very sick. I have, co- I have fought all of that and you, Didact, you, your writing inspired me through all of that. I'm, I'm like, I'm reading this and I'm like, wow. I mean, I thought I had it bad. This guy is 10 times worse. I've got a, um, a friend of mine uh, in the Southern Hemisphere. I won't say who he is, but, well, I mean, uh, reader Veritas. I won't say who he is or um, where he's from, but he's in a bad state himself. Uh, he's, he's dealing with a lot of deep, depressing shit. Um, and he's coming to me and he's saying, Didact, you helped me get through this. I've talked to him a few times on the phone. He and I uh, have a lot of really fun conversations. And uh, he was telling me uh, that because of my writing and my help, he had been inspired to start up his own um, sort of uh, forum with a a friend of his, a techie friend of his, to give uh, fathers going through some of the stuff he's going through a place to vent and a place to express themselves and a place to find the truth and, and to connect with each other. That's the kind of network you need to be building. You need to be out there. You need to be connecting with people. You need to start the resistance. And it is a resistance. Make no mistake, it is a resistance within yourselves. You need to start building your own communities. You cannot, you must not allow yourselves to believe that you're alone because you're not. If you're listening to this, well, okay, look, I don't like the movie Terminator's, uh, Terminator Salvation. Uh, I thought it was terrible. But you know that line that Christian Bale says, if you're listening to this, you are the resistance? Well, as cheesy as that sounds, it's the truth. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. You are the people who are going to need to build coalitions together. Um, as... In the, in the interview that I did with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Tom Kratman, um, he mentioned he's writing a book called uh, The Care and Feeding of Your Right-Wing Death Squad. And here's the truth, and it's a very unpleasant truth. There are going to be right-wing death squads in the U.S. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And it is entirely the fault of the left for pushing us this far. It's going to happen. Nobody wants it. Nobody wants to see this, but sooner or later, Pinochet Airways <laughs> is going to have branches in most of the red states, and they are going to be offering free helicopter, helicopter rides 
metaphorically speaking, to leftists. Again, nobody wants this. I don't want it. You don't want it. The left, well, the left thinks they want it, but they're not going to have, they're not going to be singing the same tune when it actually starts happening. Um, I have friends in, uh, in the southern United States right now who are literally telling me, dude, I mean, we're putting generators in our backyards. We're, uh, we're figuring out the terrain around our property. We're going to uh, hunker down and um, we're figuring out exactly which caliber of bullet to use when uh, these leftist mobs start encroaching upon us. Because you know what? We're not going to aim at the first guy to kill him. We're actually going to aim to wound him. And while he's thrashing about and screaming in pain, and ten other of his buddies come along to look at him, we're going to be picking them off one by one. Again, I'm not saying who these people are, but you better believe me when I tell you they're real, and they are absolutely interested in preserving what they have. And they themselves are forming very rapidly their own militia groups, their own units. This is happening right now, as we speak, as I speak. It's happening. So don't for a moment think that you're going to be able to get away from this. We have spent too long being too comfortable with too much stupidity. And that is coming home to roost. It's going to start in the U.S. and it's going to spread around the world. In places like Australia where, um, you know, actual fascists like Dan Andrews are able to get away with what they're doing in the state of Victoria, for instance, is going to take longer, but it's going to happen. Jacinta Ardern in, in New Zealand as well, that, that witch who basically uh, locked down her entire country and pretty much destroyed her people's civil liberties all in the name of fighting COVID. Um, it's nonsense, it's madness, it's craziness, but these are the people we trusted with power. These are the people we believed could keep us safe, and we were wrong. We voted for what was comfortable. We voted for what was easy. We voted for what was seductive. And look at where it's gotten us. We reap what we have sown. We have sown the wind, and we will reap the whirlwind. It's our fault. And the only way to stop it is by getting yourself in line with the truth, finding out what it says, pointing yourself in that same direction, taking the time to find other like-minded men and women, and building your own coalitions. It's the only way you're going to get through what's coming. So don't be discouraged. Don't be downhearted. Don't be quick to give in to fear. We're going to get through this. All of us. We're going to get through this. But it's going to exact a hell of a price on us. And we deserve it because of what we've done to ourselves. Okay? Uh, coming up on the one hour mark, so let's wrap it up. Um, as always, please like, share, comment, and subscribe if you have not done so already. Support my work at uh, superbshaving.com. Read the site at didacticmind.com. And very soon this podcast, uh, I hope, will be distributable through Apple iTunes, and who I don't like very much, but you know, that's another story and um, Google Podcasts, and you know, we'll see what, um, what happens after that in terms of distribution and such. But um, in the meantime, stay safe, stay 
uh, stay sharp, stay focused, and stay upbeat, because we will get through this. This has been Didactic Mind, episode 55, You Reap What You Sow. I am Didact, signing off.